don't just want to catch up. So I was in Alaska for about 10 days uh, and had an opportunity to fly up there. And I got to officiate one of my cousin's weddings, which was great because I remember when she was born when I was a teenager. So the whole time I was feeling older. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What has happened? And uh, that was great. But one of the really cool things that I got to do when I was up there is spend some time with my mom and dad and my sister, youngest sister, Chloe. And if you've been a part of the vineyard for the last few years, you'll, you'll probably recall that we were praying a lot for my dad because back in 2020, he got stage four kidney cancer. And many of you in this room were praying and praying. And there was this moment where my cousin got married outside uh, in Talkeetna, which is north of Anchorage. And in true Alaskan style, it was we had to have an outdoor wedding, and it rained the entire time. And I didn't get an umbrella. Everybody else got an umbrella. So I'm just sitting there just soaking wet. And uh, But behind me was Denali, or as some of you probably remember, Mount McKinley, right? The, the largest mountain in North America. And so it's behind us. But, of course, on the day of the wedding, clouds everywhere, couldn't see anything. Next morning, sunny, you could see the mountain. I'm like, seriously, this is how it works. Anybody ever experienced that? When you need it to not rain, it pours. And when you want it to rain, it's sunny. So that was happening. But I, the next morning, uh, we were, I was sitting on the, on the deck, and I was just looking out, and my dad was there. And so, you know, two years ago, the doctors are like, hey, he's got stage four kidney cancer. I, we heard um, six months to two years. That was kind of the prognosis, and we were all praying and praying and praying. And then, you know, I think truly in a very miraculous way, they removed his kidney, and the doctors were shocked because they found out that there was like no cancer anymore. And we were all kind of like shocked. And the doctor's like, well, what a coincidence. And we we're like, ah, I don't know. There's other things that are happening. Prayer. We prayed a lot, right? And so I was sitting there and I was watching my dad. And my dad is, um, you know, out there trying to figure out how to take pictures of, of uh, the mountains. <laughs> and he's like looking at his phone. And my dad's like funny because he bought a drone now and he's trying to become a drone flyer. <laughs> but he can't, like, start it, so it's, like, really funny. But, uh, or he was trying to, you know. And But I was, I was watching my dad, and he was sitting there, and, and it just kind of dawned on me that, like, two years ago, we were, we were wrestling with whether we'd be able to spend any time with my dad. You know, we flew out to Minnesota a couple times, and I had this, like, flood of overwhelming, just, like, I just sensed the goodness of God in that moment. You know, I was, like, watching my dad stand there, and it's, like, two years ago, we didn't, I didn't think we would ever be able to go to Alaska again and, and spend time. I also got to spend time with my 92-year-old grandfather, who is as sharp as ever, but he just is struggling to move around a little bit, you know, and so while I was up there, he ended up falling on a bed, but got, like, really hurt, and, you know, it was just a total crisis, and we're trying to care for him, but it was really, a really great trip, and then, you know, I had to go and catch a fish for 10,000, uh, it was pretty fun, but this, uh, this next month, we're going to be doing this really cool sermon series for October, um, we're going to be doing a, a sermon series that we're calling Our Stories. And I've been wanting to kind of do this for the last maybe six or seven months, but um, look around you right now in this room. Just look around. There's some pretty weird people, obviously, but there's some pretty cool people around too, right? And what I have, I, I've had the opportunity to do over a lot over the last few years is spend time getting to know people and getting to hear um, their stories. And I, every time I sit down with somebody and hear them share their story, I'm always like totally overwhelmed by just how God's worked in their life. And have you ever found that to be true? Like, it's like, wow, you know, 
Like you get to know people. And so I've been wanting to do this. And there's a number of people in our church community that I've been asking and said, hey, would you be willing to kind of like participate on a Sunday where what we're going to do is we're going to set up some chairs up here and we're going to kind of have like an interview style. So it's not going to be like your traditional sermon, but it'll be more a conversation. And we're going to have people who are part of our church share stories, share stories about how they've grown in their their uh, relationship with God. One person in particular is going to share about how they kind of came into a relationship with the Holy Spirit and had more of a, more of an ability to hear from the Spirit and to pray for people. Uh, but next week we have some guests. I have these two friends of mine that are pastors in uh, in the South. They have got the thickest Southern accents, so we can make fun of them the entire time. Okay, and I've gone to Kenya with them a lot, and they're going to come and they're going to be a part of our service next week. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, so we're going to interview some people. We're going to have conversations, and then. We're also going to have some people share about, about how they've gone through some really challenging situations, too. Because every time I have heard people share with me how they have been able to go through really challenging things, it's been helpful for my relationship with Jesus. Uh, so anyway, before we jump into today's, we're in this sermon series called This Is Us. Uh, we're going to finish the sermon series today. Last week, Jason Wakeman preached. You should, yeah, you amen him. Do something. Jason, do it. Do the no bow. <laughs> Spoken like a preacher. Uh, yeah, no, we're, we're very blessed. I, I think I might have told some of you. So, Jace, I'm going to talk about Jason for a minute. So, Jace has become a good friend of mine. Uh, we went to Montana a couple weeks ago. I got to tell him a story, okay? I just have to. So, he's a police officer. He's a CHP officer, okay? Mr. Follow the Rules, right? Right? That's what you think. That's what you think. So we're like driving on the interstate. I've got my boat and my truck, and there's like the semi-accident that happens. And we stop, and all of a sudden, it's massive. And we're trying to get to this other river by a certain time. And then he's like, "No, nah, this ain't. This isn't good. We got to do something." And I'm like, "I'm behind all these." He's like, "Just, just go over the, you know, go over the middle and just turn around." I'm like, "We're on a highway. That's illegal. There's signs everywhere." He's like, "Just do it." He basically pulls out a gun, forces me to do it. I didn't want to do it. I was like, no, uh, you know, and did it. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, we're breaking the law. I'm going to jail. Because, you know, if they had pulled us over, he wouldn't have gone to jail, right? It would have been me, totally. And, he'd have been, and he was even saying he was going to tell him that I kidnapped him. I mean, it was like <laughs> seriously the worst. But we're super blessed, though, to have Jason as a part of our church. Um, when they first started attending the vineyard, uh, they, him and his wife and their kids and I'd see him, and I'd just chatted with him a little bit, and I think it was like they'd been coming here for about seven or eight months, and I was talking to his wife, and his wife just happened to let me know that he attended seminary. I was like, oh, he did? She's like, yeah, he has an MDiv. And I was like, oh, he does. And then she's like, yeah, and he used to be a pastor. Oh, he was! I'm like, all right, sweet. So we're super blessed to have him here to be able to preach for, for a part of our team. So, yeah, so give, give him a huge round of applause. Throw, throw $100 bills his way, he, he'll take them. So, uh, hey, I'm going to read from the book of Romans. We're going to look at Romans chapter 12, and then we're going to go ahead and pray and spend some time looking at this passage. So. so Romans chapter 12, this is what we read. Paul writes these words. He says, don't just pretend to love others. I love that. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. 
love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Hear that? When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Let's pray. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we, we would ask now uh, for you to, to help us to think about how we can apply this passage of Scripture into our own lives. We, again, welcome you here. We're grateful that you've been at work um, from the beginning. Even before we came, Lord, you were at work in our lives this morning. And so I do pray that you would uh, bring, bring what we need. Each of us individually has needs right now, Lord. Some of us need to be encouraged. Others need to be challenged. Others need to be, to be um, provoked a little bit. Others need to be corrected. Father, in this room, there's a lot of different needs. And so I ask by your spirit's power that you would, you would accomplish each one of those needs. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I really like this passage of scripture a lot. You know, um, I also like traveling. Um, I went through a season in the last couple of years where I was like, I don't really know. It was just so hard tra- traveling, right? For a while it was like, oh gosh, it was so annoying having to go through all the, the hoops. And, but I, I really do like traveling a lot. And one of the reasons why I like traveling is, uh, is I like meeting new people. I like seeing different cultures. I like experiencing new things. Um, but if I had to really tell you what I like about traveling, it's food. I mean, like, I do. I just love traveling. Um, my first mission trip, I was a late bloomer to the mission trip world. It was 2009. I'd been pastoring for a few years, and I got guilted into going to Nepal. And I went to Nepal, and uh, I love most foods. And I went to Nepal, and I discovered that Nepal is this beautiful blend of of Indian foods, like curries, and then Chinese food. And I love Chinese food, and I love curry. So I was in heaven. I was like, this is amazing. Every meal, curry. And I was traveling with all these Baptists from Arkansas, though, who, like, really struggled to put salt and pepper on. And they were, like, just like, oh, they were just not. And so everywhere we went, I always got their food. I was like, I'll take it. (laughs) Eat, eat, eat. I love that. Um, I also uh, had a chance to go to Hong Kong on that trip. And I discovered that in Hong Kong, you want to know what they call Chinese food? Food. Yeah, they just call it food. And like for 24 hours, me and my, my two friends, we literally just ate like for 24 hours, just eating all these different restaurants. And then we're in like a food coma, almost missed our plane because we were having sushi. It was crazy. Uh, Kenya, I've been to Kenya. And the thing that I love about Kenya is they have this meal called masala chicken. Masala chicken, and it's really great. And in France, everything is good, literally everything. And New Zealand, the lamb is amazing. But I I do need to talk about one of our mission focuses here. The vineyard is Mexico. And do you know what they have in Mexico? 
nothing's. And I was traveling around with some of the vineyard folks down there. And I was like, I was in this car with them. And I was like, man, you guys are so lucky. They're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Like, you must eat tacos, like, all the time. I'm like, how many times? Do you eat tacos, like, every day? And they're like, no, nah, we eat, like, once a month. And I was like, what? Once a month? Like, yeah, it's like a hamburger here. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. I eat hamburgers, like, once a month. But everybody outside of the U.S. thinks we have it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? And so, uh, but I love, I love food, and I love traveling because of the food. And what's really interesting to me about food is I think that really good food takes all these different ingredients, right, and is able to put it together and combine it. And ingredients matter. Ingredients matter. When I was 12 years old, I tried to make cookies, and I saw this stuff that I thought was sugar, and it was salt. And my cookies were not very good. My cookies were not very good, right? And same thing is true about a lot of different ingredients. If you don't have them, your food comes out, and it's, it's just a little off. And I think the same thing is true about the church, though. I think that the church is supposed to have certain ingredients for it to be both healthy and effective. And, and I think we want to be both of those things. We want to be effective as a community, and we also want to be healthy. And so there's certain things that we have to have as a church in order to be a healthy and effective community. And here in Romans 12, Paul lays out what I think are some of the really important ingredients that our church has to have in order for us to be able to be both effective and healthy. And the context of this passage is kind of interesting, though. So in chapter 12, Paul actually starts out and he goes into this list about special gifts or spiritual gifts or charismatic gifts. He, he lays out this, and in fact, if you look in Verse 6, he says, in God's grace, he has given us different gifts for certain things to be done. And then he lists a bunch of different gifts. And so what he's essentially saying, and he says this elsewhere, is that every single follower of Jesus has the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So like if you are a follower of Jesus, this is, the, this is the good news, is that as soon as you become a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God begins to take residence in your, in your, in your being. And so he says, because of that, you all have certain spiritual gifts. Some of us, you know, in this room are administrative. Some of you are maybe more gifted when it comes to speaking. Some of you are really good at helps. There's just the fact of the matter is, no matter what, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have certain gifts that God has given you. So he starts out by saying that. He says, if you have, and, and he also says, you have the responsibility to utilize those gifts in the context of the church community. And then he goes on and says, don't just pretend to love others. So it's really interesting because what he's doing is he's laying out for us a bit of the ingredients that are required for the church to be able to be the church. And what I want to do just for a few minutes here is I want to draw your attention to a few of what I'm going to call virtues. I, I think that our, our world that we live in right now is fast forgetting virtues. And I think that there's virtues that actually are ancient and really matter, though, for the world that we live in. I mean, just let me give you a couple examples. Um, wisdom is a virtue. Patience is a virtue. Kindness is a... These are ancient virtues that, like, the Greco-Roman philosophers would spend time talking about, and they said that they mattered. These are virtues that are becoming somewhat extinct in today's world, though, right? And they're becoming extinct because of... Maybe the influence of social media or just a fast-paced culture that we live in. Like patience is, is becoming less and less of a common characteristic. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Like, you go, I mean, I think it's interesting. I, I went to a coffee shop recently, and it's supposed to be fast, and I had to wait for 10 minutes, and I was so upset. I was like, how dare them? How dare them brew my coffee fresh, you know? And it's like, as I was doing, I was like, hold on, this is, what is going on, <laughs> you know? But there's these virtues that have just, in a sense, they've become somewhat lost. And, and I really believe that as followers of Jesus and as a church community, if we want to make the greatest impact in the world that we live in, we need to return to those ancient virtues, those ancient practices and habits and rhythms and characteristics that, that caused the early church to be known to be different than the rest of the world. And so let's think about Romans 12 just a little bit here, okay? So we're, we're kind of looking at this passage of Scripture again. And it's interesting because the first thing that Paul starts out with is he says love, right? So don't just pretend to love others. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. I mean, and then he goes on to say, hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And it's like Paul's saying, love. No, really love. No, really, really, really love. He wants the church to understand how central love is. And I think we talk about the concept of love a bit at this church because it's so central to the New Testament and it's so central to the teachings of Jesus. But part of what we have to do, I think, as followers of Jesus is to really understand and define what love actually is, right? Because it's so easy to throw around the word love. We, we talk about that all the time. I love pizza. I love tacos. I love etc. But love, if in its true essence, when you look at the Bible, love is a specific action, right? It's a specific set of actions. It's where we work hard for the betterment of other people, regardless of whether it benefits us, right? I mean, that is, that is the only way for marriage to make it, right? I mean, if we are, if we're constantly going about our marriages or our relationships with this idea of like, I'll love you if you love me, we're not going to last very long, right? We have, to, we have to work hard for the benefit and blessing and good of other people, regardless of whether it benefits us, because that is the way that the Bible defines and shapes our understanding of love. So that's what we have to see Paul is doing here, this, this virtue of being a loving community. But then he also says these words, honor one another. Honor one another. He says, take delight in honoring each other. And I've been kind of mulling over that a little bit because, like, what does that actually mean? What does it actually mean? I, I think there's three things that came to mind as I was thinking about the world that we live in, honoring other people. I think in some ways we have to give people the benefit of the doubt a bit. Isn't that a way to honor them? Like, I just noticed this about myself um, through the prophetic uh, vision of my wife, who has let me know that I'm not this way. You know, like I'm constantly like, oh man, you know, quick to like be cynical and apathetic and judgmental. It's like, no, I know him, right? And it's it's wrong though. It's not a loving way to approach things. And so, or people, I think part of the way that we can honor people is if we give people the benefit of the doubt. Not obviously, I'm not saying that it doesn't it doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable and we don't we don't try to develop people taking responsibility, but I just think that sometimes we're really quick to jump on the negative bandwagon, you know what I mean? And part of 
part of what Paul here, I think, is getting at is this idea of loving each other with genuine affection means that we take delight in honoring people. We want to actually honor them. I think it also includes not misrepresenting other people's viewpoints, which I think is extremely relevant in two areas of discourse, theology and politics, the two that I like talking about the most. But it's so easy to misrepresent other people's viewpoints. It's not very honoring. And then I think another, which is related to the first one, is just assuming the worst. But we need to be better at honoring people. So I love how Paul talks about this idea of honoring. And, and in today's world and in today's society, I just think that we are not very good at honoring. We're not very good at honoring. And there's all these church uh, focuses on honor cultures and things like that that I think are a little misguided. But it's, it's very true that we need to become better at honoring people. And so then there's this, this emphasis that Paul fleshes out here that I think are super, super uh, forgotten, super overlooked. And it's this idea of being faithful. He says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. In other words, be faithful. Keep pressing in. But that's so contrary to the way that many of us live our faith out, right? I mean, it's like, I've seen it in my life many times where it's like when things are going well, man, God is so good, right? It's like you, you have some positive thing happen in your life and like, oh, God loves me, right? And as soon as times get tough, it's like, where is God? And we forget, we forget to pray. We forget to to carry out certain spiritual practices that are part of following Jesus. You you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like it's really easy to be all 100% gung-ho when things are going good, but we start to maybe doubt those things and the goodness of God when we start going through difficult times. But that's part of the problem that I think Paul is, is addressing here. He's saying, hey, rejoice in hope. In other words, we can continue to have joy in our souls because we know at the end of the day, no matter what happens to us in this life, I belong to Jesus and he is mine. And that is a good enough identity characteristic for us. And so Paul is really challenging, I think, the church. One of the ingredients to a healthy, functional, and effective church is to be faithful. And in reality, what I think Paul is doing a lot of here, in many ways, I think he's just getting at what love looks like from different perspectives. He, it's like he's... Because he's, he's emphasizing this idea of being a loving community so much. And so he's fleshing it out. I mean, I think other ways that you can get to it is he says, you know, love, being loving is to be happy when other people are happy. And he also is going to say, hey, when, when people are weeping, we come alongside them and grieve alongside them too. Right? He's, he's saying those are different aspects of, of love. Love is, a, is if being loving means that we would seek to be in harmony with one another. What does that mean? It means that we're going to work to have peace. We don't just ghost people. That's the way that the world is supposed to function. The, the whole world just ghosting people is, is totally different than the way that the church is supposed to function. We're supposed to work hard and strive for peace and to, and to seek to have harmony with other human beings. And then I think Paul is also, I love this last thing he says, is he says, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I, I like that because I feel like our church is full of ordinary people. And I mean that in a good way. Like, we're just normal people who like to eat tacos. 
You know, like not a lot going on. He's saying, he's saying, hey, work hard to be okay to spend time with ordinary people. You don't have to just seek after influential people. That's, that's not what love is. And this type of love that the church was called to embrace was totally and completely different than the way that the world functioned in the first century. Listen to the way that Leon Morris says it. Leon Morris is a biblical scholar, and he says, the idea of brotherly love, okay, like sibling love, in such groups in the ancient world is not found anywhere but among the Christians. They saw themselves as a family in a special sense. God was their father, and they were all brothers and sisters. Therefore, they were united in a love that other people saw only in those of a natural family. And we've talked about that for as long as I've been here. The church is supposed to be a family community where if you have needs, we want to help meet it, right? Like that's what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be completely different than every other, every other community. So when I was in Alaska, I, I was driving around quite a bit um, because I had to, to travel to one area to do this wedding. And I drove back to Anchorage and I drove down to the Kenai Peninsula, and I was listening to all these podcasts, and as I was listening to these podcasts, I stumbled on some, like, animal ones, and I listened to this one about elephants, and I love elephants. Anybody love elephants in the room? Like, they are the most fascinating creatures. These elephants right here, I got to touch them in Kenya. So when I went there, the last few times, uh, we've gone and we go to this, like, elephant, baby elephant, you know, park, and they bring them out, and they walk right up to you, and and elephants, have any of you ever watched elephants? Like, they are like human beings because they, they have, like, all different personalities, right? So there's this one elephant. It's the one that's on the top left. Was, like, class clown. You know, like, came over and it would, like, it would like when, when you turn your back, uh, it, would, it would push you and then run away as soon as you turn around. And it was, like, it was just playing and teasing. And I was, like, oh, man, this is so cool. And, and I just wanted to touch an elephant so bad. And, and that stupid elephant knew that I wanted to touch it because it would come right far enough where I couldn't touch it. It's like, oh, and it would just like look at me like, yeah, and it'd walk away. And it'd let everybody else touch it. And I'm like, oh. So anyway, we're, we're watching all these elephants, and I'm taking all these pictures, and my, my daughter Sadie was with me, and we're just, it was so, so cool. And here's the thing about elephants that I, I learned when I was listening to this podcast about how elephants – existing community. When baby elephants are born, this is what happens. All of the elephants actually form this huge circle. And so when the baby elephant comes out, then the whole entire community of elephants comes over to it and they caress and they touch the elephant and they let the new baby um, know that it's being affirmed as part of the, the elephant community. It's being comforted. And then more importantly, what, what, um, like zoologists think is that the elephants are trying to let that elephant know that it belongs to that community. And as I heard those words, I was thinking about how the church in some way has to learn from that. Now, I'm not saying if you're having a kid, we should all show up. That's a little weird, right? My wife would murder all of you, just so you know, like not going to happen. And, uh, and that's a little weird. But I do think that when people are coming to faith, and, and they're coming into the kingdom of God that we as a church community have to work hard to come alongside them and to say, hey, you know what? Your identity is connected to us because our, our identity is connected to Jesus. And even more so, you belong to us and you are supposed to be a part of our community. And we want to do everything we can to help encourage your faith 
to shape your faith and to make an impact in your life. And so what I'm saying this morning is you should be more like an elephant, right? Let's stand up together. So I just think that there's a couple questions that we could maybe process through for a minute here. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes if that's helpful for you to where you can just hear from, from the Lord. Maybe the Lord will give you a, a picture or bring to mind something specific. But when it comes to being this type of community where, where we say, yeah, we want to embrace those virtues, what it takes is us to, to work hard at it. We have to actually put in work. And the thing about um, being in community and, and being a community that's committed to these practices is it takes, it takes an effort, doesn't it? Amen? And so, Holy Spirit, I, I pray right now, Lord, that in this room there's a, a lot of people who are connected to a lot of other people. And so I pray right now that you would bring to our minds individually specific people that we can we can be more loving to we can we can honor more that we can be intentional with so some of you in this room um, in particular, the first person that pops into your mind is your spouse. And I, and I just have this sense that a, a number of you, like that is, that's the key battleground right now. Marriage has been challenging, relationships been troubled, and, and you're really just struggling. Um, you're struggling. And so I, I want to just share with you that Everything that I'm talking about this morning, this whole idea of living as a loving um, advocate and honoring other people can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, it cannot happen on your own. You'll just, you'll, you'll never get there. And so I pray right now in the name of Jesus that if you're here this morning and you need help in your marriage, that the Holy Spirit right now would fill you, would empower you, would bring encouragement. And that right now, you would commit in your heart to work hard for your spouse's betterment, good, and blessing, regardless of whether it comes back to you. Well, would you, would you help each one of these people to become servant-minded? I just had this sense that um, the word belong is, you need to pray for that. Like, I had a sense that there's a couple of you in this room that, like, that's a struggle, is that always feeling like you belong is something that you just, you're not there yet. You don't feel like you belong, and you're not really sure what needs to happen or what you need to do, but, but you're struggling with that. And I just would love to pray for that as well. And so I don't know if you'd be willing to be, you know, Get prayer, but is there anybody in the room that connects with that at all? Just say, yeah, I just, yeah, okay, a few of you. Okay. Can we do this? If you, if you, keep your hand up if you'd be willing to, because we want to pray for you. 
So if you just, if you're willing to receive prayer, okay, so if you're a follower of Jesus and you're willing to pray, would you just look around right now and somebody over here, Jennifer's over here, there's a gentleman back there. Just move around, you can totally move around for a minute. It's okay. Is there anybody else that would like prayer for that? So just pray. Why don't you just pray for those people and just ask God to to help them to feel connected. So Lord, I pray right now that these folks will feel connected. I pray that you would um, also help root their identity as belonging to Jesus. Just go ahead and keep praying wherever you're at. I'm going to close this in prayer, though. Oh, Father, we do thank you for this space of being able to gather together. We thank you for the privileges and the freedoms that we have. Lord, I pray that you would bless us and that this afternoon when we gather together, that it would be a time for us to be able to spend time being in community, loving one another, sharing meals, and then um, playing games and just having fun. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Folks, I really want to encourage all of you, 430 Cone Grove Park, we'd love to see you. Have a great week. See you tonight.